The Truth News Network. A sitting president blames the unvaccinated for the outbreak of a virus, but the outbreak is among the vaccinated. A vaccine maker announces their 98% effective vaccine is nowhere near as effective as they claimed, and now booster shots for life. How does this happen? It happens in the absence of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, brings it to clarity with Dan Newman. Let me tell you why we use that intro for today's show. That was originally aired 90 days ago. 90 days ago. Did you hear in Pete Moss's voice the furor, the anger, the mystery over all the things that we have been told? And we were, uh, 90 days ago, folks, we were still in the throes of OMG. If you don't listen to us for everything about COVID-19, you're going to die. And then all of a sudden, Have you noticed? Just all of a sudden, it's way in our review mirror. Everything to do with COVID-19. And it's not over, folks. The uproar, the furor, it just has escalated very quietly, but it's still out there across the nation. We have people that are fighting for their livelihoods, their careers over the egregious lockdown orders, some of which have been removed, some courts have stepped in, some are pending appeals, etc. But it's not over, folks. This administration just wants Americans to forget about it. We can't do that. It changed our lives forever. The United States of America, for that matter, every other country on the planet, is never going to be the way we were before 2020, the advent of COVID-19. I think what happened was they wanted to use that as a political ploy against conservatism, not just here, but around the world. It looked like an easy weapon to use against it. And so they enacted it, in many cases in unison. Think about it. Governments from over in Asia and Europe were the first ones to really wade into the battle against COVID-19, talking about it, not understanding it, scaring their people citizens to death, and then it came across the pond, and here we are in the United States of America, Central America, South America, Canada. All of us just went into panic mode. And then here we are two years later. We didn't have to do all that stuff. Yeah, we had to manipulate and change a few things, but guess what initiated everything we did? Fear. Fear from those that we trust the most to give us facts and nothing but the facts, our government leaders. We had the straw man inserted here in the United States. I'm talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci. He was the straw man as the COVID god. That's really what he was or who he was. And we were told, you listen to this man. We are going to do everything he tells us to do. And if you don't make the decision voluntarily to do it, we're going to make you do it. And then Fauciism leaked out of the continental United States and it ended up going north, going south, going east, going west. Anthony Fauci was actually ruling the responses by governments and people around the globe. What he said by jingos, it was because of who he is, the COVID god. 
nations, nations in total, did what Dr. Anthony Fauci told us to do. And every time that happened, it just emboldened him. And as it emboldened him, every day you could see it play out. Remember when he was with Donald Trump on the COVID-19 watchdog team, whatever they wanted to call themselves in those press briefings every day in the White House briefing room? It was like every day he had to come up with something new. Oh, this has changed a little bit. We just don't know COVID. We're on top of it. We're making sure that as it morphs, as we get these variants, we're going to be the first to tell you about them, and we're going to guide you through the horror. And certainly, if you don't listen to us about the horror and how to deal with it, it's going to be much worse. And finally, finally, I got to be honest with you, there were a lot of people that rang the alarm bell way back at the beginning. Were you with us at TNN Live back in May of that year, 2020? That's in the very early stages. We had already been into a minor lockdown mode. Remember this? Lockdown for two weeks and we're going to be through this thing? It was right at the end of that that we had a great doctor on here. And she was the former partner for many years in the CDC with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Judy Mikovits came on our show. And she debunked everything that Fauci hadn't already told us. He had just begun his process of dominance. And she prophesied, I guess she's a prophet, I don't know. But she told us everything that he was going to do. Everything he was going to say was facts. And what he was going to do to the United States of America by scaring us to death. And he did just that. Nevertheless, here we are, March 9th. 2022, and we're all here together, thank God. Looking in our rearview mirrors, we've lost a lot of loved ones. I mean, I've lost a bunch of friends, people that shouldn't have died, people that didn't have to die, but died at the hands of a medical bureaucracy that for whatever their purposes are, and we still haven't nailed it down completely, but whatever their purposes were, it destroyed Hundreds of thousands of lives across the world, millions across the world. And it did so needlessly, but here's the scariest piece. I think it happened, and it had it happened for a purpose, to achieve a cause. And I think as we find out what that cause was, we're all gonna go nuts. Here we are, folks. We don't yet know for certain, we suspect, we think, we know its sources, we think we know its purposes because it was manipulated. It was not a natural thing that just came up like previous viruses in American history. It was manipulated. Why would it be manipulated? All those things were getting answers. And guess who's trying to stifle all the answers? the healthcare bureaucracy, the bureaucrats, whatever the truth is, they don't want it out there. And when that happens in any area of our lives, what do we do? When there's smoke, there's fire. We begin looking for the fire. And that's what we do here at TNN Live and at truthnewsnet.org. We look for the fire 
and we make sure when we find it and we can prove or we can lay our hands on accurate evidence that justifies these things, we always pass them along to you. Even when we're still investigating in some cases, but we have some good information that verifies some of this stuff, we'll tell you, hey, we're hearing this. We think it's fact. It may not be we're still investigating it, but we want you to know by telling you what it is that it's out here, and so you'll watch with us. And that's what we're going to do here today. Thankfully, though, it's not a lot today about COVID-19. It begins to look like to me that everybody has kind of resolved ourselves to think, well, it's probably just another version of the flu. And we overreacted. And we did the we did the vaccine thing because our leaders beat it into our heads and forced it down our throats. And we're finding out also about the travesties in that every day. We shouldn't have gone down that road when we went down that road, but we did. And now there's a bunch of cleanup that is underway. Most of it you haven't even heard about. That's one of the items we're going to get into as we move forward and we get more information. And I'll just tell you this, what I just told you about when we find something, we're pretty sure it's true. We'll let you know we're looking into this and we think it's true, but we're not going to tell you it's true until we have all the facts. The big 900 pound gorilla in the room on COVID-19, we think we found and identified that cur. We're not going to tell you now. But it's out there. And folks, it's not as it has been portrayed to all of us, to you and to me. That bothers me a lot, and it should bother you a lot. Dan Newman, First Thoughts. Well, every day at the top of the show... We typically have something that is uh, leading the pack of information that we need to pass on to you. And so right now with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you and I have watched the invasion of a free and sovereign nation, Ukraine, by a reckless dictator who cares little, if any at all, for peace or the sovereignty of his neighbors. This attack didn't happen in a vacuum either. It was the direct result of weak American leadership and a lack of American resolve. For months now, we've known that Russia was planning to invade Ukraine. We talked about it. Joe Biden talked about it. All our military and political leaders talked about it. We saw its troops massed on the Ukrainian border. We knew they were conducting military exercises with the intention they were going to invade And we knew that usurping Ukraine had been Vladimir Putin's objective for decades. Yet, knowing all that, the Biden administration could muster deter this imminent attack was a weak, vague threat of sanctions and a bunch of ambiguous statements that implied a minor incursion into Ukraine would be permissible. Now, why would our president even say doing that was okay? It's like... Uh, You can kill a hundred Ukrainians, but you better stop there. I mean, when I heard that come from our president, I just shook my head. I said, buddy, we're in for something really big, and it's playing out to be 
really big. American deterrence in Ukraine failed. Why? Because the Biden administration placed too much emphasis on the threat of sanctions without establishing that it, our administration, possessed the guts, the fortitude, the resolve to impose cost, real cost, on its adversaries. Remember this? In Afghanistan, we fled without hitting back at the Taliban as it violated its deals, its commitments, and threatened American lives while they were doing it. Team Biden couldn't even manage to impose any real cost after the Taliban killed 13 of our troops in a cowardly attack of terror. Nothing happened to them, folks, and it still hasn't happened to them. In fact, to rub salt in the wounds, the United States gave the Taliban millions of dollars in aid. The Biden administration's weakness on full display to our adversaries when all this played out, that invited Vladimir Putin to head for Ukraine. So the invasion of Ukraine necessitates that we clarify our position on Taiwan sovereignty. Now think about this. President Xi Jinping, he fully understands now, unambiguously, our relationship to Taiwan. He's been looking at it for decades. Since its very inception, the Chinese Communist Party They've wanted to bring Taiwan under its control, and this ambition has only grown stronger in recent years. We've watched it. Taiwan's free economy that we experience great benefit from is among the most prosperous on the globe. It's one of the few countries that has experienced uninterrupted economic growth during the past five years. Last year, it experienced its strongest economic growth in a decade, in the middle of the throes of coronavirus. Practically every electronic device on earth, from our smartphones to our computer chips, in our own Air Force's F-35 fighter jets, every one of them contain essential parts that are manufactured, listen to this, only in Taiwan and by Taiwanese companies, not U.S. companies that have opened operations over there. These are Taiwanese companies. This makes the island democracy an immensely important strategic objective. And you can bet, if China takes over Taiwan, this is all over. Oh, it'll work. And these companies, they'll still be working. But it won't be for the global open market. It will be for the Communist Chinese Party only. If the CCP could take Taiwan by force, it would also likely gain command over the market for advanced chip manufacturing for the entire globe. That control would be catastrophic for us and, of course, our allies around the world. Likewise, ensuring that Taiwan's economy stays free and out of the hands of the Chinese Communist Party, it's crucial to do that to future prosperity in America and throughout the world. Also central to their mission, the Chinese mission to take Taiwan back, is its recognition that a democratic Chinese nation represents a clear contradiction to its own avowed supremacy. They hate democracy. 
do those Chinese Communist Party members. The Chinese people, like all other people, do not want the tyranny of the Chinese Communist Party. And every day Taiwan exists as a free and independent nation, that clear contradiction to their assertion of power, it gets even stronger and it scares the Chinese Communist Party to death. For these reasons, their goal is to what they call reunify Taiwan with mainland China by force if necessary, doing this just as Putin's stated goal was to bring Ukraine back under the influence of Russia, as was the case in the days of the Soviet Union. You don't think that there's a little parallel that we're watching play out? Ukraine wants the gem of Soviet Union. Vladimir Putin was in the KGB during the Soviet Union when it existed, and he wants Ukraine back. Xi Jinping remembers when Taiwan, he knows the whole story. They were part of mainland China. They broke away. They got their independence and installed a pure democracy in their lifestyle, in their government. Xi Jinping wants it back. They're calling this reunification. When our adversaries make their intentions clear, we should take them seriously. We don't. We haven't. We waste time in taking the necessary steps to stop them. Recognizing free and sovereign countries and preventing despots from overrunning them should also be a goal around which the world can unite with strong leadership from where? The United States. We don't have that. We don't have strong leadership on the foreign world platform that we had a little over a year ago. The Russian invasion was the result of weak leadership here, not only here, but in the rest of the West, as well as our collective lack of resolve in the face of clear, unmistakable Russian aggression since the Biden administration took charge a little over a year ago. A failure to learn from those mistakes will result in a conflict far more catastrophic for America and its allies. An attack on Taiwan by the People's Republic of China. And I'm looking and watching for the telltale signs of that right now. Why? Because we're feckless, as are all the other leaders of the, the West. Vladimir Putin has just kept waving his nuke card, and everybody in the West, all the leaders, are scared to death, with the exception of one. And who might that be? Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine. We, the U.S., should send a strong message to President Xi now by recognizing Taiwan as a free and sovereign country. The People's Republic of China regards actions that are not in accordance with their dictates of the Chinese Communist Party, like standing against genocide in Xinjiang and supporting the right of the Taiwanese people to determine their own future. Novel idea, real. And the Chinese call us believing that as provocative. But it is never provocative to say that one demands freedom. The United States should immediately take 
necessary and long overdue steps to do the right and obvious thing. We need to recognize that Taiwan is a free and independent nation. We got to offer them full diplomatic recognition and cement our iron, ironclad relationship with them that we've had for a long time. If we do that, when we do it, we're going to send a clear and unmistakable message to the Chinese Communist Party that what has happened in Ukraine will never happen in Taiwan. Now, why are we talking about Taiwan today, Dan? Well, folks, i got to be honest with you. Don't think for a second Xi Jinping is going to wait for the Ukrainian-Russia thing to go away before he acts. He's going to do what he does in the middle of the night, figuratively speaking. In other words, while the world's attentions are diverted to Ukraine, Eastern Europe, he's going to go ahead and swoop in on Taiwan. Do you know militarily how long, if he wants to just destroy Taiwan, how long it'll take? Maybe hours, certainly not more than a couple of days. And as we stand right now, you can bet your bippy the United States is going to do nothing militarily and really not anything diplomatically. If we wait till after it begins, Taiwan is toast. And you think we have inflation now? Do you think we have problems now with electronics? Do you understand? Have you tried to buy a new car in the last year, year and a half? You can get cars. They don't have the volume of new stuff that they have. But even when you want to order a new car, I know several people that have done just that. They want a new version of an old car that they had. They're trading up all those kind of reasons that we buy new vehicles. And they get them. There's delays there, pretty serious, extensive delays. But even when they get them, there are things missing that they, options that they ordered. Like what? Well, like pretty much anything and everything that requires computer chips. COVID put the world in a jam for electronics, for computer chips, IT parts of all kinds. For example, you order a new car and you want that thing in the side view mirror, you know, where the light comes on when somebody gets in your blind spot and you wait to change lanes. That is because of a special computer chip that they put in the car. Those are being left out. Many times, the rearview mirror camera is being left out for the same reasons. Folks, it's not. (laughs) It's not just going to be better if we just sit over here and try to tread water. We've got to have leadership to stand up on the world stage and very vocally. we got to have somebody that doesn't on Friday leave to go home and then comes back on Tuesday to the White House as the commander-in-chief. And we have that now. Very indecisive, very slow at making things happen. And folks, his counterparts across the globe, I mean, those people are leading countries. They're leaders of countries. And if there are 192 countries on earth, and that number changes all the time, but let's just say right now, there are 192 leaders on earth. That means they're 
or 192 people that are in some form of being at the top of those 192 nations. In other words, those are pretty much the most powerful and most important people on the planet. One of the 192, I don't know about all the others, but I know about one, is lacking. And that would be our president. He reacts. He doesn't act. And if you're a real leader, you don't wait till things happen. You get in the process to make things happen and to assure those who look to you for leadership, you got to assure them that you know and you're prepared and willing and will do anything and everything that you can to make sure that what is supposed to happen for the benefit of us and our neighbors around the world, those are the only things that happen. Yeah, there are going to be people that step out of line. There are going to be tyrants. There's going to be despots. There, The bullies are around. They're always around. But a true leader doesn't let the bully get away with doing bullying things. A true leader makes sure that freedom, that law and order, and justice is at the top of the heap in every nation on earth. A true leader knows that not every one of those nations are going to carry the same thought and certainly not the same process as the United States of America. But a true leader here will make it very clear. We are not going to let tyranny destroy our friends, our neighbors either. Having a different governmental way of thinking is one thing, but allowing despots to instill fear and tyranny and death, in many cases, in their citizenry. We got to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm just not sure we have that person in the White House right now. What about you? Boy, we've got a show full today. Oh my gosh. So many things. Some of them good. Some of them are informative. But they are all things you need to know about. We're going to dig right into them. Right after this at TNN Live. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider! The beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? 
They toasted six-month-old-age cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. Best genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, as I listened to that, what Pete Moss just said, I couldn't help but think back. And I reached over and, and I grabbed something I pulled down off the internet a couple of days ago regarding MSNBC. MSNBC. Have you heard or do you remember the name of the guy Eli Mistall? He's author of Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the U.S. Constitution. You remember, if you know him, you'd see him. He's the African-American guy. He's got funny gray-white, kind of bushy Afro kind of hair. And I'm not saying kind of bushy Afro kind of hair to be racist. That's an ethnic understanding that everybody understands that's listening to me today. And isn't it something that I feel like I need to clarify and make sure everybody knows that what I just said isn't racist? That's because we live in the kind of thing that Miss Dahl was telling us on the air the other day about our Constitution. Here's what he said. The Constitution is kind of trash. Let's just talk as adults for a second. Now, he was on ABC's The View then. He said, The Constitution was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists, he said. They didn't ask anybody who looked like me what they thought about the Constitution. This document was written without the consent of black and brown people in this country and without the consent of women in this country. And I say if that's the starting point, the very least we can do is ignore what those slavers and colonists and misogynists thought and interpret the Constitution in a way that makes sense for our modern world. Now, when I read that the other day, when I got that, I I went crazy. I got to be honest with you. And I... I, uh, I said, I'm going to respond to that. It was written, and so I logged in on the ABC The Views website, and I'm not going to read you what I wrote, but the substance was this. Yeah, there is no doubt. They had problems back then. They had people that didn't do everything perfectly, but they came from a world that was a collection of countries. We have to remember here, Europe is not like the United States. Europe is full of countries that basically, when you look at that nation on the ma- on the map, the countries that constitute Europe kind of look like states here in the United States, but they weren't united. There were all kinds of different governments over there. So our forefathers came from a potpourri of those company, uh, those countries. And when they started writing, when they started to craft the skeleton, for a nation that was going to be free from the top to the bottom and as wide as it ever went. They didn't know everything. But I wrote about that very thing, and then I said this, but what they did, they knew they were going to have to make changes 
as circumstances down the road dictated, as they found out things that they didn't know when they fled Europe to come here. It's called the amendment process. And he was speaking, of course, as being a black man, he was speaking, pointing to slavery, which he mentioned, and the other freedoms that white people had by the founder's edict in the Constitution that other people didn't have. And I enumerated in my response to him the amendments that did exactly that, freed slaves, gave everybody the right to vote, gave women the right to vote, a lot of other things. And the process is still there. This is the point that I noted. Hey, listen, here's the deal. We still have problems, and that means we still have problems in the Constitution. But we're the only nation on the planet that has a specific ironclad process that when our founding documentation misses something, we can, through our leaders, our elected representatives, we can adjust as necessary, maybe delete the old ones or replace them with a new, better version to make it better for the American people. No other nation has that. Instead of dealing with facts, instead of governing with facts, hardcore facts, knowing all along that there will always be things, you know, the layers in between the facts that are kind of gray and they're interpretable, those exist and that's okay. But what we should be doing in every case like that is exhaustively examining, making suggestions, convincing others to understand the way that we think, think to find consensus, and then they'll get the job done. Well, I'm not seeing much of that right now. All they do, our representatives, is they sit on opposite sides of the hall and they scream at each other. I'm not really enjoying that too much. What about you? So let's get down to business. The 900-pound gorilla in my my den this morning was Ukraine. Probably yours too. I saw a glimmer of hope yesterday. I really did. It was announced Poland is ready to make those Russian-made fighter jets that it has. Finally, we're ready to make those available to Ukraine through NATO. Poland's prime minister announced it yesterday, but he added it's a very serious decision that should be taken by all NATO alliance members, not just Poland, because it affects wider security. The premier says the decision on whether to make the MiG-29 planes available to Ukraine as it fights Russia's invasion is now in the hands of NATO. And here's where I, I, I just totally despise this. He said, it's in the hands of NATO and the United States. It shouldn't be NATO and the United States. The United States is a member of NATO along with the other NATO countries. He said this, Poland is not a side in this war and NATO is not a side in this war. Such a serious decision like handling over planes must be unanimous and unequivocally taken by all of the North Atlantic Alliance. So that means somebody had to get on the phone with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden got on the phone with him. And guess what? Guess what old Joe said about those MiG 
aircraft that didn't belong to the United States. They belonged to Poland. The United States wasn't and isn't going to intervene. Did you hear what I said? The United States is not going to intervene militarily. We're going to stand on the sidelines and scream and holler and tell them what they should do. And every once in a while, we'll send them a little, you know, like Joe and Barack did back when uh, Putin swooped in there and took Crimea. Ukraine was asking for those missiles to take out Russian tanks, begging for them. Joe and Barack's in on blankets. So it's a big thing now. You know that long convoy that we've heard about from the very beginning? We're in day 14 now. 40-mile long convoy that was full of tanks and weaponry, heavy weaponry. It's been bogged down on the way to wherever it's going in Ukraine. Those MiG-29s could take that convoy out in total in a matter of a few hours. So Ukrainian President Zelensky, he was licking it, his chops when he heard the news yesterday. But then, President Biden entered the picture. The U.S. rejected a surprise offer from its NATO ally Poland on Tuesday to transfer fighter jets to an American base in Germany in the hopes of bolstering Ukraine's air force. Washington turned down Poland's foreign ministry after it had announced it was ready to deploy its MIG-29 jets to Rammstein Air Base in Germany and put them at the disposal of the United States. Warsaw also urged other members of the NATO alliance to do the same. Victoria Newland, a top U.S. diplomat, said the Polish proposal caught Washington by surprise. She told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, quote, to my knowledge, it wasn't pre-consulted with us that they plan to give these planes to us. The U.S. has sought to speed weapons deliveries to Ukraine, but the Pentagon said flying NATO combat aircraft into the war zone raises serious concerns for the entire alliance. That's what Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said on Tuesday. He responded to Poland's offer on Twitter, saying, quote, It is simply not clear to us that there is a substantive rationale for it. We will continue to consult with Poland and our other NATO allies about this issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents, but we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. Russia warned this week that countries offering airfields to Ukraine may be considered a declaration of war. NATO has said it does not want direct conflict with Russia, and the White House has ruled out sending troops into Ukraine to fight. However, the U.S. military announced it would reposition forces to Poland proactively to counter any threat to NATO allies. Wow. Man, don't you just feel great about having a leader that would do that? Here we are. You have the greatest, the biggest, well, not physically. He's a little bitty guy, and he makes up for it by screaming louder, I guess. I'm talking about, of course, Vladimir Putin of Russia. He's controlling foreign policy in the United States, in Germany, in the UK, in France, in Poland. How did he do it? What do bullies always do? They begin by laughing at their opponents, people that they target. And of course, those people they target are always weaker than the bully, or at least they are perceptionally. And then what happens? The little guy, he gets scared. And what do we say at the opening of today's show? You don't make good decisions when you're acting from a place of fear. 
you, you, you think this thing Vladimir th- uh, Putin threw out last week about nuclear weapons, do you think the timing on that was accidental? Heck no. This is a seasoned warmongerer, folks. Vladimir Putin understands war. He understands despotism. He understands bullying. He's mastered it. Look what he's doing now. He has the entire world shut down. He's invaded a sovereign nation. He's committing untenable war crimes. He's killing civilians. He moved into Ukraine unprovoked. And here's the rest of the world looking at Zelensky, the president who is number one on Vladimir Putin's kill list. That shows how effective the Russian military is in this venture. They know the city he's in, and they have sent mercenaries, hired mercenaries that do nothing but slaughter people, and they can't find President Zelensky, who's on television every day. He's on radio every day, satellite. I've tried to get it where he could come on this show. Hadn't been able to make the connection yet. Don't say it won't happen. (laughs) Strange things happen. I'm just praying for an open opportunity to make that work, and it could work. He has internet access. We could do it. But the point I'm bringing to you now is the bully has shut every leader on earth down, save one, Vladimir Zelensky. He's a much better leader than every other country on the planet today. Vladimir Putin has stared down the leader of the United States of America. Joe Biden is running with his tail between his legs because the bully has talked him into believing fearfully that if we don't do what the bully says, he's going to kill us all. And the timing for Putin to do that was perfect because he knew as soon as it became obvious to everybody, you know, after the first couple of days of the invasion, that doing the right things in war, abiding by the treaties and all that kind of stuff, when the world found out it was meaningless to Vladimir Putin and he was just going to destroy everything, wipe out everything and everybody in his path. And then he said, hey, you push back. I'm going to unleash nuclear devastation. Every decision since then regarding anything to do internationally or nationally with Ukraine is based on Vladimir Putin said he was going to beat me up if I did anything to counter what he's doing. The bully's already won. The bully has won. And the other bullies on our planet that are standing on the sidelines and looking in, they're kind of liking what they're seeing. And folks, Xi Jinping is not the only other horrible leader, genocidal leader on the planet. What about Kim Jong-un, just to the northeast of China and North Korea, who's got a bunch of nukes? I mean, we've watched him. He's He's a lunatic. I don't know about Putin. But Kim Jong-un is. What about ISIS? 
And don't forget, Al-Qaeda's reconstituted now. What about those people that live, breathe, eat, and sleep? The only thing they want to do is kill anybody and everybody that aren't Muslim. That's a whole lot of people on the planet. What are they seeing now out of our president? To a great degree, folks, we've lost credibility. Why? Because in the middle of this, we send our leaders you know, end a battle to make a difference, right? Who did we send? Who did Joe send? Vice President Kamala Harris. She actually took off this morning to go to Poland. Now, let me ask you this. Why would she go to Poland? <laughs> because Joe Biden just said, hey, we're not letting those MiG-29s that Poland has, we're not going to let them go down to Ramstein Air Base in Germany, where the U.S. has a huge operation to train those pilots pretty quickly that already are well-versed and have trained on MiG-29s. Why would she even be going on over there to do anything? Just hours before she left, the Pentagon poured water on the prospect that we're going to aid in getting those jets to Ukraine. Her trip now is meant to serve as fact-finding, a fact-finding mission to see what we can do to support Ukraine's NATO-allied neighboring nations. I mean, we sent the most adept, business management-savvy, military-informed person in government to go check it all out, Kamala Harris. Oh my gosh, Congress reached a deal yesterday to send $14 billion, actually $13.6 billion to Ukraine. Harris is, while she's over there, she's going to reiterate our support for the former Soviet bloc country. Her trip over there, it comes as here in the U.S. and other NATO nations denied Ukrainian President Zelensky's pleas to establish a no-fly zone over the country. Our military leaders here that are retired, those that have been in conflicts through the years, you know, we've been through a lot the last 30, 40, 50 years. We have a lot of people in the military, seasoned veterans, that haven't been around for a while. They haven't been in active duty because they've retired. But they've seen a lot of wars, and they understand a lot of things. Nobody in this administration wants to talk to them. Seriously. These people in the Defense Department under General, former General, well, he's always a General, Lloyd Austin. He was the director of CENTCOM. What's CENTCOM? That's the government authority in the military that operates and oversees all of our actions in the Middle East, militarily, and in Africa. CENTCOM, he was the director of that when the Benghazi debacle happened. He's as feckless on this as he was on Afghanistan, and also now (laughs) on Ukraine. Our political leaders who have no military experience, the top two, have no clue. Joe Biden didn't serve. Obviously, Kamala Harris didn't serve. And they're making military decisions for the United States. On her trip over there, we're told she's going to warn. Ho, ho, ho. Kamala Harris is going to point her finger at Moscow and warn Vladimir Putin that he's made a mistake and it's going to result in a resounding strategic defeat. If that happens, the resounding 
strategic defeat, you can bet your bippy it's going to happen, not because Kamala Harris, not because of Joe Biden, not because of Boris Johnson and the UK, not because of the new Germany chancellor that just was elected. It's going to happen because of one person, one real leader only, Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine, who two weeks later, two weeks after the fact, sits in Kiev, in hiding, hiding from Vladimir Putin's thugs who are so inept they can't find him to kill him. Folks, so far, not by his words, not by his speeches, not by his threats, but by his actions. Zelensky goes down, if he goes today, he goes down as one of the top leaders in history because he's facing the bully and he's put his life on the line. Even the United States offered him a jet to take him and his family to safety somewhere else, get him out of Ukraine, right when this began. He has made it clear every day, we're not going, his family's still there. We're not going anywhere. We're Ukrainian. We're going to stay here with our people. And we're, he still says this, we are going to send Vladimir Putin packing. My hat's off to him. Man, I wish he could come to the United States and maybe get in office here and help us out, help us with our stuff. He's obviously a problem solver and he's a fighter. He wasn't ever in the military either. He was a professional comic when he ran for office over there. <laughs> but even with that, even with that resume, he's doing a better job governing his nation than our leaders are governing ours. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. Oh, yes, sir. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. 
playing uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him $5, and he said I only gave him $1. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the $1 right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. During the break, <laughs> I just got an I got a text from my good friend James Posey, great drummer. We were a band. We were in a church band together. He was amazing. But anyway, he said, can I get a copy of that Amazon Echo commercial? Tell you what, James, I'll, I'll after the show's over today, I'll text it to you. That's that as, uh, oh, what's his name? One of the famous comedians would say, uh, I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. <laughs> that really is funny. Well, hey, I've got some good news for everybody. But before I forgive you, uh, before I give you the good news, let me remind you: anytime you miss the show live, we're so glad that so many of you listen in live every day. But anytime you miss it, we don't want you to miss any of it. And so there are a bunch of different ways to find it. You can just go to, I mean, Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, iHeart Podcast, any any place where you go to get your podcast. And the name of the show formally is TNN Live. All you do is do the search. Our main page will pop up. And on the main page, there's a a list of probably the last 20 or 30 shows. And the latest show is always up top. You click on it, bam, you're right there. You can listen there, download them, and share them with your friends. You never have to miss a, a show. And if you ever want to weigh in live with us, you can call toll free. 866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. Join us when you want. The good news, good news, guess who is not running for president, not running for the Democrat nomination? Hillary Clinton. You might be sad about that. Well, yesterday she went on Morning Joe. Oh, I mean, that, that would be a great place to go to uh, to make an announcement, all 10 of their listeners, <laughs> their viewers, uh, basically what it boils down to. She got back and forth. She went back and forth, and uh, it came out. She promised. She said, I am not going to run for president, but I am certainly going to be active in supporting women running for office and other candidates who I think should be reelected or elected, both women and men. Because I think, you know, there's a big debate going on, as you know so well, Mika, in our country, but in other countries as well, about the future of democracy, of economic opportunity, of climate change, of health, and other important issues. So, I will stay active in all of those doings. Let me interpret what the former first lady said. You heard her say all of that. I quoted her directly. What she's saying is, I've got to keep me and Bill in the middle of all of this. You know, we told you on Monday of this week, now this is me talking, that the Clinton Initiative, the global initiative, the one that soaked hundreds of millions of dollars, it's a not-for-profit, part of the Clinton Foundation, 
and it's supposedly going to do all of these great things around the world like they did when there was that horrible earthquake down in Haiti. They went down there. They made sure they took care of those Haitian people. Know what they did, folks, in the numbers from their formal tax returns for the Clinton Foundation, they wasted tens of millions of donated dollars specifically for the Haitian people were all soaked up by guess who? Officers and employees of the Clinton Foundation. Hardly any, less than 10% of the money donated went actually to real causes to help the Haitian people. I guess if I'm going to be thankful about anything, it's that she's not running for office again. And if the Clinton Foundation calls me looking for a donation, I kind of doubt I'm going to be interested. Well, we have somebody in the U.S. that knows a lot about Ukraine, knows a lot about what's going on. A former member of the Ukraine parliament urged our president to demonstrate leadership. And this former member of the Ukrainian parliament asked for a no-fly zone over her country. That's, that's the big 900-pound gorilla in the room for military leaders right now. They're scared to put a no-fly zone up there. What is that and how would it work? Well, if you can't fly a plane over a specific area, if and when you do, you're told up front, you can't do that. We're not going to allow it, so you're going to get shot down. And, of course, if we put a no-fly zone there, the Russian military, they're flying all kinds of helicopters, fighter jets, uh, tanker transports, all those kind of jets they are being flown. And if we say, and all agree, European, maybe NATO, but maybe not, just us and a bunch of uh, European countries agree, we're going to put a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which President Zelensky has been begging for every day. Those Russian jets fly over, those planes fly over, those helicopters. We, by our agreement, the definition of no-fly zone, we're going to shoot you down. And then what did Vladimir Putin tell us? If you push back on me militarily, I'm going to nuke you. So once again, the bully is running the show. Vladimir Putin is running the whole thing. Everything doing with the Ukraine and the Russian invasion. For every nation, Vladimir Putin is calling the shots. She wrote Joe Biden a letter. And I'm going to read you just a part of it. As you read this letter, Ukrainian children are dying under the deliberate Russian airstrikes on civilian areas, on hospitals, on schools, becoming orphans, suffering from horrific injuries, psychological trauma that will scar them for life, being deprived of their homes, their childhoods, and access to health care and education. Today, she said, the mothers of these suffering innocent children represent the fighting spirit of my nation. In what was called an appeal to the American nation, this former member of the Ukrainian parliament, her last name is Hopko. She and the women wrote that these heartbroken mothers have the ironclad will to do whatever it takes to protect the future of their kids in independent Ukraine. Now, this wasn't the first time Hopko and Joe Biden had communicated. Back in 2015, when he was vice president, and she chaired Ukraine's parliament foreign affairs committee, there was another letter. Fox News reported that the network exclusively attained 
a letter then-Vice President Biden wrote to Hopko in August of 2015. In that letter, he promised Ukraine military and loan assistance and to keep Russian sanctions in place until they ended the occupation of Crimea. Both promises were kept. In the letter to Biden this week, as the U.S. and other NATO nations have continued to refuse that no-fly zone, Hopko and the group appealed to Americans directly. I implore the American people to act. They wrote that in this letter, urging every American to help us defend Ukraine's future from an evil Russian attack. I appeal to your humanity, your love of freedom, and your will to lead the world in defending against a terrorist regime desecrating human life. Now I am urgently asking you to demonstrate leadership in standing up to Putin's expansionist campaign. She added, not since Adolf Hitler have we watched the actions of a regime that now poses an existential threat not only to Ukraine, but also to Europe and the world. She hearkened back to an inspiring meeting with Biden in 2014 at Ukraine's St. Michael Cathedral. And we all know that in 2014, Joe was over there every other week or so. He was working out the deal. You know, the one where his son was on the board of Burisma Holdings, which was a um, natural gas trading company in Ukraine, although his son had no, absolutely not one day of experience in anything to do with um, natural gas or even running a company, but he was getting $83,000 a month. Joe was over there working on all that, getting it all laid out. And at that particular point, Hopko, said that he was full of promise. But the letter highlighted the failure of the Western strategy to respond to Russian aggression, arguing that limited sanctions and standard diplomacy have always been 10 steps behind Russia's aggressive agenda. Yesterday, she spoke with MSNBC's Katie Turr on air. Hopko did. She broke down in tears. In that interview, she also recounted how back in 2020, Ukraine asked the U.S. to impose severe sanctions that were proportional to Moscow's violations of international law and steadily increased them until Russia changes course. But nothing happened. Instead, we saw new Western attempts to woo Putin into diplomacy talks and offer him rewards like Nord Stream 2, kind of like we've done Iran. You know, we did that Iran nuclear deal, did Barack Obama and Joe Biden, skipped Congress, didn't even tell Congress, didn't talk to Congress, didn't pull them into it, but they negotiated that treaty that they knew absolutely had to be in place to keep Iran from getting nuclear, going nuclear, which Iran is nuclear, folks. Putin rightly interpreted the absence of Western resolve as weakness. This is in Hopko's letter, which emboldened him to continue escalating his aggression. She added, explaining how in little more than a year in Biden's presidency, Moscow de facto annexed Russia, occupied Donbass, and set the stage for a brand new territorial conquest. Basically, what she did, folks, was she made it very clear 
that our administration, our leadership here, they know more than they are acting like they know. This is not their first rodeo, not their second rodeo, but the third rodeo in eastern Ukraine dealing with parts of Ukraine. And we're doing nothing about it. Isn't it amazing that the little people, and when I say little people, I'm I'm talking about, now it is a elected leader. She was in leadership in the parliament in Ukraine. And she was elected by her people to do that. But she's not now. And yet, those are the people that have the ideas, that are real ideas, that if implemented would be problem solvers. Now, what happens when someone like her gets on the line in a letter, telephone call, which they had back in 2014, but passes along some information, some advice that would work, but it doesn't fall in line with the political perspective of the politician that this person is talking to. This is the dangerous piece of being in politics today because often, in fact, almost always, at some point it turns away from representing what's best for the people that elected me. And it leans a little further every day towards the area that encompasses what's best for me, what's best for the people that put up campaign dollars for me to be able to be elected to make these decisions. And long-term, we find out that what's best for the people is actually moved down a list on priorities. It's happening in Ukraine. It's happening all over Europe. It's happening in Australia, South America, Central America. And it's happening here. And we're watching it play out every day on television as Ukraine looks like it's going to get sucked up into Mother Russia. Seriously, folks, it's looking more and more like that's going to happen. It's amazing how what's going on over there, it's really changing the world. And I'm... We're not going to spend a lot of time in the gas realm, but it's really important for us to understand some of this stuff that's going on. I mean, we're getting really bad leadership. And it's not just from Joe Biden, but he is the executive, chief executive of the country, commander-in-chief of the military, CEO of everything else. That's who we look to when there are life-changing things that are on the horizon, and that horizon's pretty close right now, that could, if they happen, if whatever we do or don't do doesn't work and stop it, could change our lives forever. And we look to those leaders, and ours are pretty much feckless right now. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody in Congress is bad or evil or poor leaders. I'm just saying in the party that is in control, and they have some pretty powerful leaders like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, by the way. But those leaders are not leading us. 
what's happening now is the leadership that is at the top of the United States are not leading, not acting, they're reacting. And when that happens, folks, it automatically reacting, what it means, the word means, is they're responding to something that has already happened from someone on the other side, whatever and wherever the other side is. In this case, it would be Russia and Vladimir Putin. We're not leading. We're not out front. We're not out making decisions and initiating those things that we have ferreted out and know they're best for us. We're not doing that. And when that happens, other leaders look and see us doing that. That's a number one sign of being weak because the leadership is weak. Let me give you an example. One of the leaders in the Democrat Party, he was front and center really big time on a major scale during the first impeachment of Donald Trump. Hakeem Jeffries, I got to be honest with you, he's one, in my opinion, one of the most evil members of the House of Representatives because he hates everything and everybody that's not of his color. I'm just saying. He's an activist. And so we're talking about leadership. I want you to listen to these few words from Hakeem Jeffries when he is asked a question about how the leadership in our U.S. Congress, which has to be the U.S. Congress, and he's in the House of Representatives, how that leadership is going to respond, and knowing that they really do need to respond on this oil deal. We're all dealing with it every day when we go buy gasoline or anything from stores that have to have transportation coming from one part of the country, one part of the world here. Prices are going through the roof. Every American wants to know what Congress is going to do. And he was asked, listen to his response to the question. And that issue hasn't come up, but I think increasing the global oil supply uh, at the moment uh, to the extent uh, that there are implications, particularly for Europe, uh, which is more heavily reliant upon Russian oil than we are here in the United States of America, um, you know, is an important discussion. Uh, particularly with traditional allies in the Gulf states, uh, such as Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and others. Uh, I assume those conversations are taking place, but I haven't been read into them, and we await you know, further clarity from, you know, from the administration. Watching those numbers tick up and up have more and more drivers seeing red. It blows my mind. It's a crazy number. I gotta watch this book. I don't want to put too much in. It's affecting my budget. It's affecting everybody. The average price for a gallon of regular breaking $4 across the U.S. for the first time since 2008. The jaw-dropping numbers even worse in West Hollywood, where a gallon of premium at one station is $7.55. People are shelling out $6.95 for regular. This is just crazy. We're going to continue to work hard uh, to make America the most competitive that it can be. Uh for the sake of everyday Americans, to continue to create good-paying jobs to lower costs. Do you get that? Do you see that? Listen to that in context of what the news people are actually telling us. They're giving us facts. This is the way it is, basically. And that reporter that you didn't hear the reporter, it was edited out, but when Hakeem began to answer the question, which is what are y'all going to do or what are you doing, 
Just that little snippet. He was asked that. What is leadership? What is the Democrat Party leadership? What are they going to do to help us with this? And that issue hasn't come up, but I think increasing the global oil supply uh, at the moment uh, to the extent uh, that there are implications, particularly for Europe, uh, which is more heavily reliant upon Russian oil than we are here in the United States of America. Don't you hear in his voice? I mean, he was taken aback. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to give as an answer that would make him look like he's at least answering a question. He couldn't even do that. The issue hasn't come up. He actually said that. Folks, it's been front and center at the top of every news outlet in America now for weeks. I mean, it's probably Ukraine and gas are probably the one and two topics on everybody's mind because it deals and impacts everybody and everybody is being impacted in the same way. I mean, we've had a conversation this morning. I go to that early morning prayer meeting, come back home. We're watching the early morning news. It was getting ready for the show. And we begin to talk about how the cost of gasoline has already impacted us. I've said this again and again, but I'll bring it up. It was $1.65 a gallon for me the day Joe Biden was elected. And day before yesterday, I paid $3.69. So the good question is, what are you going to do? Joe Biden, regardless of what you hear, Joe Biden could make a change overnight. Yesterday on the show, we let you listen in to a question from the White House briefing yesterday when Fox News Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki the question, why haven't the president and his leadership, why haven't they started production of oil and natural gas in the United States? And she gave the the answer and it wasn't really an answer. It turned out it was a lie. She said, oh, we're already producing more oil than ever before. We're doing our part. She wouldn't answer why the price of oil keeps going through the roof, going higher and higher. And we all know what it is, the reason. Every American understands it. Joe Biden, he just basically turned the spigot off. And we also told you yesterday, we confronted her about her lies about all of these leases that have already been approved, why don't the exploration companies go out there and get these, these wells built and all that kind of stuff? It, it boils down to this. In addition to pulling the permit from the XL pipeline on day one of his presidency, Joe Biden signed a plethora of executive orders that increased regulations on new exploration that made it virtually impossible for oil companies to go and do their thing starting from scratch now. They don't want to talk about it. Well, Fox's David Asman went and did some research about this very thing, about what they have done. They're producing more than ever before, even more than Donald Trump did. In other words, it's not us. It's Vladimir Putin. All right, so no questions uh, again. And he says there's a lot more that needs to be made clear. He was very clear on a couple of things. And David Asman is here with me from Fox Business, uh, fast and furiously fact-checking. 
Well, he was he was very clear in saying making the same misstatements that Jen Psaki did, saying that we have the highest oil production ever right now. Anybody can look it up on the website. EIA, it's the official energy statistics. In December 2019, we were producing 12.9 million barrels of oil a day. In December 2021, we were producing 11.5 million barrels a day. It's a 1.5 million barrel per day drop since December 2019 at the end of the Trump administration. The fact is we are not producing as much oil as we could, and we could ramp up our oil production to re easily replace what we're not getting from Russia. Well, and that's critical to know because the facts matter here. Yeah. Like, you know, our enemies look at that and they know the truth. Venezuela knows, oh my goodness, we can do a little bit of a jig today because America's going to buy some oil from us. I don't know, maybe Iran's thinking the same thing. Well, and look, the China Saudis are over there. They're listening to the president get ready to beg for, for more release from OPEC. And what is the what are the Chinese thinking? I think the Chinese are thinking, oh boy, we get to sneak in some Russian oil because we can go under the radar, get the oil in there at a discount. While, while Americans are spending a fortune more on oil, we get oil cheaper here by dealing with the Russians. Uh, all right, Peter Ducey, correspondent often in those briefings, as yes. we know, asking those questions. So as he was talking, uh, the president, Peter sent this out. The White House has said, we don't have strategic interest in cutting off Russian oil. I know where he's going here, but I want to give you a couple of examples. Today is? The eighth. Okay, so the third, <laughs> okay. Uh, Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, said, we don't have a strategic interest in reducing the global supply of energy, and that would raise prices at the gas pump for the American people. On the second, we don't have a strategic in interest in reducing the global supply of energy. That was the right. Deputy Press Secretary. Also, our objective is to ensure that there is the greatest economic pain on Russia and not on the Russian people, but on President Putin, and to minimize the impact on the American people. So, they have said time and time again, what changed? It could not have been the horrible images and realities of death and war because those have been going on for 13 days. What do you think was the calculus to get, to the, get the president to this point? Uh, because of the fact that they're blaming the prices, the price increases on Russia, all of the price increases. As I mentioned before, in December, long before that the invasion actually took David. place. It's, it, was, it was a very political calculation, I think, on their part. You listen to what Jen Psaki said. She's blaming Russia, the Russian invasion on the gas price increases. You go back to November of 2020 and look at gas prices right during the election in November of 2020. Gas prices, average gas prices were $2.11 a gallon. Now, yes, that was during the pandemic and prices went down because people weren't traveling as much. But you go back to right before the pandemic, the two 2019 prices never got above three dollars a gallon as soon as biden came into office prices spiked not only at the gas pump but also oil prices spiked and they've been going up continuously long before the invasion was even in our calculation so the idea that this is all can be blamed all the price increases can be blamed on the russian invasion is just incorrect go ahead look at eia eia is the official energy statistics on gas prices, on oil production, you can see that everything they're saying to blame gas price increases just on the Russian invasion is wrong. It's wrong, incorrect, and also oil production is not at its highest levels ever. It was much higher in December 2019 than it is now. Novel idea. Just for a change, why don't the people in leadership, why don't they just tell the American people the truth?
I mean, come on now. We, we know that people make bad choices and bad decisions. We're all guilty of doing that from time to time. Hey, just fess up. <laughs> just, just fess up and tell us we messed up. But we're going to fix it, and here's how we're going to fix it. Instead of just giving us a bunch of blather that we find out later, a couple of days later, is untrue. So let me ask you this. What's Joe going to do? What's he going to do about our oil and gas? Yesterday, he got shouted at by somebody in the press crowd as he was walking away and said, what are you going to do? What is the White House going to do about this? And Joe, the President of the United States, Joe's response was, now tell me, I'm going to put this in context. This is the greatest guy in the planet as far as power. Anybody who is President of the United States in politics worldwide is the most powerful person. The most powerful person on the planet answering that question said, it's not our fault. It's not my fault. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. You know why Joe Biden said that? You know why that's the answer instead of, here's what we're doing, we're going to make it okay, bam, 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 bam? Because that's not his mindset. He is named the most powerful man on the planet, but he's not the best leader, far from it, on the planet. Think about that during this break. Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 Central, for Dan Newman, TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. At the Forest Foundation, we care about three things. Tree things, nature things, and the third thing, bird things. The homes of native birds are being destroyed at an alarming rate. That's why our goal is to give a birdhouse to every bird on Earth. Humans stopped living in trees ages ago. It's time we invited birds indoors with the rest of us. Do your part and text Dirty Birdie to 3030 to donate a bird bath to 30 Birdies. You can either be part of the problem or you can be with us. The Forest Foundation. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind. And what you've created has changed lives. And I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. So here's a real question that begs for a real answer. What are we going to do about gas? 
oil and gas. Now remember, heating oil this time of year up in the upper northeast, that's how they heat their homes, their businesses. Heating oil. All of it, the pricing is going through the roof. What are we going to do? Quit talking about it. Quit fading the blame, saying, oh, this is because of Vladimir Putin and give us a way out of this. Senator Marco Rubio, Florida, he said this about that yesterday. We can produce more than enough oil to make up for whatever it was that we buy from Russia. I just don't get it. And he continued, by the way, I don't get it either, Senator. He said, the only explanation is this religious zealotry on this Green New Deal stuff makes that an impossibility. And it's going to lead us to a ridiculous policy. Rubio said that after asking why America would instead go to Saudi Arabia and beg for oil, ask a narco-terrorist, that's Venezuela, for oil and do an Iran deal with the largest state sponsor of terrorism. Yesterday morning, Biden announced he would ban Russian oil, LNG, that's liquefied natural gas, and also coal imports, while looking to Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro, who's a despot just like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, looking to there, Venezuela, Venezuela of all places for energy security. Jen Psaki confirmed to reporters Monday the Biden administration is negotiating a boost to Venezuela's oil production. While the West is splintered on whether to even ban Russian energy exports because of what's going on in Ukraine, a non-NATO ally, China and Russia, are allied in their fight against the West. The manufactured energy crisis, and it is manufactured. It did not have to happen. People made choices, made decisions, and they have the power to do what's going on. Should they do it? No, they shouldn't do it. Why are they doing it? The book's still out. There are a lot of conspiracy theories out there about why it's going on, but it doesn't matter right now. What matters is it's going on. It's happening. So what are we going to do? (laughs) What are they going to do? Well, the crown princes of Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi have in the last few days refused to even speak with Joe Biden. He's been trying to reach out to them. Despite his desperate desire for more of their oil, preferring instead to speak with Vladimir Putin. There was some expectation of a phone call, but it didn't happen. It was part of a turning on of the spigot, one U.S. oil official told the Wall Street Journal. This brings up this Let's go, Brandon. (laughs) Joe's got one. He's got a let's go, Brandon moment from Saudi Crown Prince, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, an emirate of Abu Dhabi Crown Prince Sheikh Mohammed bin Syed is a consequence of their shared displeasure with Joe Biden's foreign policy decisions. According to several U.S. and Saudi officials, the Saudis have signaled that their relationship with Washington has deteriorated under Joe Biden. They want more support for their intervention in Yemen's civil war. 
They want help with their own civilian nuclear program as Iran's move ahead and legal immunity for Prince Mohammed here in the U.S. We haven't heard about any of this. Prince Mohammed, if you remember, has been linked to the 2018 assassination of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. The Emirates share Saudi concerns about the restrained U.S. response to the missile strikes by Iran-backed Houthi militants in Yemen against the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Both the Saudis and the Emirates are concerned about the revival of the Iran nuclear deal, which doesn't address other security concerns of theirs and has entered the final stages of negotiations in recent weeks. Their shared displeasure is an extraordinary political risk for our president, who yesterday formally banned imports of Russian oil, sending U.S. gas prices skyrocketing. I guess the biggest example of the failure of this administration is this energy thing that Joe Biden initiated. It's his deal. He's made every decision to do or not to do whatever has been done. And they went into this. Listen to this. This is the worst part of it all. He went into this with no idea of how to replace what Vladimir Putin was taking away from us. If Joe hadn't made these decisions, we wouldn't be having this problem. If he hadn't shut off the spigot of American oil production, the only reason he did that was for the Green New Deal sycophants in Congress and elsewhere. The stupidest thing any president has ever done, in my opinion, is to do what he's doing about energy from the very beginning, having no plan in place to replace fossil fuels with his renewable uh, renewable energies. Any person with a brain realizing, realizes how big energy is to the United States of America. And we were energy dependent the month before Joe Biden was elected president. We were independent regarding energy. We were providing energy to our friends and neighbors around the world. We had leftover, had enough for us and others. That's the way it's supposed to work. And so Joe Biden, by turning the spigot off, he not only stabbed us in the back, those that were buying oil from us when Donald Trump was president, they're buying it from Vladimir Putin, from Iran, and maybe even Venezuela. You you understand that? You understand what that is doing to us? And I mean, there are people in really knowledgeable positions now are looking at this and they're trying to understand There's an, uh, there may be a, we can't go back. That could be staring us in the face. I'll never forget it. I was in Zurich, Switzerland on business and I spent several weeks there. And of course, when you travel, it's just like traveling out of state here. You got to get a rent car. So I got a rent car. And I did some trips. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show that Euro's laid out countries 
it really is a whole lot like the layout of here in the United States of states. But instead over there of going from state to state to do some sightseeing, you go from country to country. So that's what I was doing with um, three other friends, business associates that were along with me. And we obviously had to stop and get gas. Of course, over there they sell gas by the liters, not the gallons. And I didn't really think about the conversion. But when I got back to my hotel that night, I, I, I went online and I got the little metric to change liters to gallons. And I found, and this is in 2016. I found out that night that even then I was paying $5 and a nickel a gallon based upon what I paid. I knew it was very expensive and it harkened back in my mind to driving out of town on my way into Germany. We stopped at a, uh, I can't remember if it was a McDonald's or a Burger, Burger King just to get something to drink on the trip. And I went in and I ordered a couple of large soft drinks, you know, in the large paper cups that they have. And they said, sure. Filled them up, gave them to me, set them on the counter and said, that'll be $18. (laughs) They weren't 30 ounces drinks, but even if they were paying $9 for that at a Burger King or a McDonald's, it was unheard of. We're looking at that same situation but even worse, not just because of gas, but look at everything else. Everything has changed in our system of buying and using everything that we do for all these years. Everything is costing us more. And our leaders are actually wanting to make us pay more. Taxes taxes. We're paying more for everything else right now because of the actions they have taken and they want it to be even more. It's crazy. But we're literally living that. And I don't see, I I just don't see it changing. Let me give you an example of some of the sycophants in the Democrat Party. Joy Reid. You know who she is? She's a African-American woman, she's a MSNBC host, and she goes after people, and she is a self-appointed person that points out and determines for a fact anybody and everybody that's racist. She did so yesterday. She has shared a racial explanation for the outpouring of public and media concern over this Russia-Ukraine crisis saying Americans are more compassionate about Ukrainians than they are, we are, about people in other war-torn nations. And the reason, according to Joy Reid, is because those being affected are predominantly white and Christian. Quote, We should also care this much for refugees and those facing occupation and war in the Middle East and Asia and Africa too. She said, on her nighttime episode of her show on MSNBC. She said the coverage of Ukraine has revealed a pretty radical disparity in how human Ukrainians look and feel to Western media compared to their browner and blacker counterparts. She actually compared public outcry over the Ukraine conflict 
to the largely ignored civil war in Yemen, where nearly seven years of bombing by a Saudi Arabia-led coalition has killed thousands of civilians and forced more than four million people to flee their homes. Backed by the U.S. and other NATO members, the Saudi-led coalition intervened in Yemen to target Iran-backed Houthi rebels. She makes everything about race. Claims people are more compassionate towards Ukraine because it's white and Christian. We have witnessed the same type of solidarity for the Yemenis as we do for the Ukrainians, she said. We don't see historic sanctions or global campaigns, corporations like Airbnb and Netflix taking a stand. I'm going to stop there and just say this. That's part of our problem across the board. This is the mindset that permeates every decision, every process that is being implemented under our government, across the board, that is led by people that in large part have this mindset. Maybe not to the degree of racism as does Joy Reid, but the perspective is they go to this equity thing. Everything that happens to us has got to be measured and meted out to make sure that for everybody that's involved or gets a reaction from any of the choices that we make gets exactly the same degree. And because people of color, according to Joy Reid and others like her that share her th- those thinkings, have been put down for so many years, we have to tip the scales in that direction. Why? Because we've got to reinstate real equity. They won't talk about equality. Equality and equity are different. They want to conflate for the American people that they mean the exact same thing. Equality cannot be manipulated. Equity can. And it plays out in every area of our lives. Let, let, let me just talk. To, uh, just Let's change topics for a second. I'm going to bring something to your mind. A while back, I don't even remember when, it was during the election cycle, We were we were talking about the cries about voter ID. Voter ID, it's the most evil thing in history. And even today, Stacey Abrams, I mean, we could play sound bites from events that she's had this week. She's gone off the chart fighting voter ID. And because she's African-American, she's one of the purveyors of exactly what's right and legal and what should be and what should not be regarding voter ID. And it has to do with the fact that it is unfair. There's the equity thing. Unfair to have voter IDs for African-American people. Ami Horowitz, he's a white guy, a Jewish white guy. But he decided after hearing all this hoo-ha, he was going to go to Berkeley, Berkeley University, Berkeley, California, probably maybe not the most liberal far-left university in the United States, but if it's not, it's in the top two. (laughs) In other words, very liberal, very leftist. And so Ami went there to talk to random students as he went through the university grounds, asking them about voter ID and the racist intent and the play out of having people be required to have voter ID to vote. But he didn't just go there. Then he went to New York. He went to Harlem. 
And he did the same thing. It wasn't Harlem University. It was Harlem, New York. And he went to Harlem, New York, stopping people on the street, African-American people this time. Everybody he talked to at Berkeley is white. That's because I think everybody that goes to Berkeley is right. But he asked the same question to these African-American people. I'm going to shut up and let you listen to Ami Horowitz. I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm here in Berkeley, California, to find out if voter ID laws suppress the black vote. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist, and <laughs> they're bad. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're? Would you go as far as to say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African-American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs um, over the internet. Does that also would make it difficult for, for black people in particular? Yeah, you have to have access to the internet. You have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, IDs? I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how of like how it works. A lot of people have smartphones, but you might not have data. For most of the communities, they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like right. they're not informed. I also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they, how if you're a convicted felon, like you're not allowed to vote and everything. And when you look at swing states like Florida, that's a huge population of the of the like African Americans. Now I'm here in East Harlem to ask Black people their thoughts on what you just heard. Do you have ID normally? You carry ID around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody who any Black person doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would they say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with, an ID. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? <laughs> That's the only thing I brought with me. Those are legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that. It's on 25th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is right here? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know where to get there? Yeah. Do you have a problem getting there if you have to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get to the DMV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem? No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black people, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. I had access to the internet for years. You know how to use it properly, right? Exactly. I do it at work. So, of course, I know how to use it. Smart. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data? Mm -hmm. You can actually unlimited. Unlimited data. Mm -hmm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of black people? Um, uh, they're pretty much ignorant. Uh, that's why my thought process on it. I just think that's ignorant. 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 That's the very, word. Very, very ignorant. Ignorant. Very, very ignorant. Does it sound racist for somebody to say that? 
I, I think it is a little racist because, you know, you're putting um, people in a category and you have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe a little bit of racist in it, but like I said, I think it's more stupidity and ignorance. You're judging somebody, like, but you're judging them because they're black, saying that they don't got it. What people are they talking to? What are, who are these people talking to? Do you have a problem that if you go to vote and they say, can we please see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? I you love cool? showing my ID. You have no problem with that? Nope. Would you have a problem if when you go to vote, if they say, can we please just see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? Do you have an issue with that? No. Would you have a problem if there was a rule where you have to show your ID in order to vote? I don't think so. No. Would you have an issue if there was a rule saying you got to show your ID before you vote? No. Are you cool with that? Yeah. So in that, folks, let me ask you, why or oh why would the far left, and not even the far left, there are a lot of moderate Democrats that feel that way politically, it's racist to require everybody to have a voter ID. And why are we talking about this? Well, it's it's being pandered. Stacey Abrams yesterday was out making the circuit talking about how evil is voter ID. She's actually created a division of her not-for-profit. She's out promoting that very thought. And she's angering a lot of people in the African-American community. Did you notice the tenor in the voices of those that Ami was, was questioning, asking that question to? The first half, obviously, white people in Berkeley, California. And then the second half, the group were all African-Americans from New York City. And you could tell, even though he didn't ask every one of them that he asked up in Harlem, about whether they felt like that people that are acting and really believe that black people don't have the intelligence or the ability or even the desire to get voter ID, that in itself is racist. The whole concept of racism is being ramped up. Don't think for a second. I mean, we heard Joy Reid make the Ukraine issue racist. Just because you're white and you're supporting white people in Ukraine, you're doing that because you're racist. (laughs) Everything's being weaponized against the conservatives in this nation. Equality is being booted out the door and it's being replaced by equity. Equity policies. Why is that what they are doing and what's it all about? It's about gaining power because... Inequality, nobody determines equality. It is what it is. Our equality, every American has equality, and our fathers, forefathers made it very clear that equality doesn't come from other humans. It comes from being endowed by our creator. We're born with equality. Any changes that happen to that are not changes based on equality. It's based on a desire to get control of others. The vast majority of likely voters, including, by the way, a bunch of Democrats, majority, agree that it's reasonable to require an individual to show a photo ID in order to vote. That's because, or that number, we have a number that comes from Rasmussen Reports, a survey released yesterday. They asked in this poll, is requiring photo ID to vote a reasonable measure to protect the integrity of elections? 
Overall, nearly three-quarters of likely voters say it is a reasonable measure, while 20% say it's not. But that general sentiment is shared across the political aisle as a majority of Republicans and Democrats. 90% of Republicans, 60% of Democrats consider photo ID a reasonable measure. Additionally, 76% of independent voters hold that view as well. This points to a gap, in my mind, between the true positions held by Democrat voters and the agenda items pushed by far-left politicians. Many of those categorize voter ID laws and other related measures as racist in nature. Yet time and again, these radicals have shown their hand. Example, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, a Democrat, was caught in a conundrum after previously requiring kids and adults to show a vaccination card and photo ID just to enter basic establishments like restaurants in Washington, D.C. At the time she did that, many pointed to the irony of her hypocritical edict because far-left Democrats consider moves like this racist when it comes to casting a vote. From Rasmussen reports, President Biden's strongest supporters are most likely to oppose voter ID laws. Among voters who strongly approve of Biden's job performance as president, only 40% say requiring photo ID to vote is a reasonable measure to protect the integrity of elections. 51% disagree. In contrast, among voters who strongly disapprove of Biden's performance, 95% believe requiring photo ID to vote is a reasonable measure to protect the integrity of elections. Only 3% disagree. The poll also found 62% identified election integrity as an important issue in the upcoming elections. A majority across the board, 74% of Republicans, 52% of Democrats, 60% of independents hold that view as well. Now we have an election coming up. You can't forget about this. Coming up in November, we have a midterm election, a very important one. Every member of the United States House of Representatives seat is up for grabs. Either somebody running against them or somebody is running for re-election. Everyone. We really need to do everything we can to make sure that every legal vote is cast. Only legal votes from legally registered and eligible people to vote. Every one of those is counted and no others. And so at the same time, on the other side, we have Stacey Abrams and others in the Democrat Party, far leftists in most cases, they're out there saying, voter ID is racist. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? 
Oh, what, are you not looking at it? We're not good yeah. enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels? What are you model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these days. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Something happened yesterday in the House of Representatives. I've got to tell you about it. Republican Arizona Representative Andy Biggs, he kicked off a congressional hearing focusing on defunding the police yesterday, and he started with a video compilation of top Democrats saying that they support defunding the police. The hearing, reimagining public safety in the COVID-19 era. It comes as cities across the nation, as you know, face a huge, epic rise in violent crimes. Biggs presented a video compilation capturing several of those high-profile Democrats expressing support for defunding police. The video opened with text that read, Democrats now say they don't support defunding the police. But here's the truth. Flash to Democrat Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar calling to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department before switching to clips of Democrat Missouri Rep. Cory Bush and Michigan Rep. Rashida Tlaib expressing support, their support, for defunding police. The video then shows clips of AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, expressing her support for defunding police, as well as Vice President Kamala Harris and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi voicing support for defunding uh, police, but they called it reallocating funds. Cori Bush recently said she would not stop using the defund the police slogan ahead of the midterms coming up this November, saying the slogan is not the problem, but rather that Democrats did not deliver. We got another surge of violence going on right now. And Ocasio-Cortez recently partly blamed the end of the expanded child tax credit, despite the fact that the increase in crime predated the legislation. But other Democrat leaders like President Biden have publicly acknowledged The answer is not to defund the police. And of course, when you ask the obvious question when they say that, okay, 
Tell us what the answer for stopping violent crime, tell us what it is. They won't even go there. And you know why? They don't want to push back against these people that have so much power in politics, the far left. Don't you know that every policy decision this president makes somewhere at the very beginning or maybe at the end, but always in some part of the conversation, the question is asked and answered, how will this impact the Green New Deal folks? What will AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Barry Sanders, what are they going to think about if we push this forward and make it happen? Wow. Big day today. Good day today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here every day. You know, we never take you for granted. We never do. Never will. This is a show designed, built, put together, and functioning every day based on what we hear from you. Let us hear from you. Let us know what you think. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. See you tomorrow. Sitting in a traffic jam, 11.52 p.m. Just a few miles south of Cincinnati, Ohio. I take my pen and start to write The thoughts that fill my head tonight Nothing terribly profound Just these simple words They keep my heart anchored down They keep my restless heart anchored down I do, I do, I do, I do believe Truth, yo.